Chiefs practice continues with the next phase of organized team activities, and beat writer Brooke Pryor stops by to talk about what we saw and what we didn't see at the open practice on Thursday. Plus, Brooke tells us about new member of the household that she found in the Star Classified section. This is Sports Beat KC, Kansas City Star Sports Podcast, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Hey, Brooke. Hey, Blair. How you doing? I'm great. I'm happy to uh, to be inside and not standing outside in the humid weather today. Well, if it's not humid weather, then it's going to be a downpour. That's uh, true. We, li- we live in Seattle, yeah, I think. Yeah, so we're going to be wet. The, the one, latest. One way or the other, we'll be wet today. <laughs> hey, um, it's, it's Friday. We're going to talk Chiefs. And you had an interesting experience last night, Thursday night, after, after we watched OTAs in the open practice. You, you wrote stories, and then you went to, was it Children's Mercy Hospital? It was Children's Mercy. Um, that's near Hyde Park, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still getting my Kansas City bearings. But yeah, I mean, yesterday was a long day. Started out with the NFL draft press conference at Union Station, and I ended up in Children's Mercy, so really saw a wide range of things in Kansas City Chiefs related. But last night's event was really, really cool because Patrick Mahomes, as a part of his partnership with Adidas and Foot Locker and the Asterisk Collective, which is a partner, which is, let me think, it's a little, it's a little complicated to try to explain. The Asterisk Collective is a group of athletes and artists assembled by Foot Locker that want to empower people to stand up and affect positive change. Patrick Mahomes is one of the founding members of that group. Uh, and so through his partnership with these organizations and these groups, he surprised a group of patients at Children's Mercy with uh, Adidas shoes, swag, um, like t-shirts from his 15 of the Mahomes Foundation. And then also the, through that Asterisk Collective donated some Mamaroos swings, which are you know for infants, um, some telepresence robots, uh, a Vecta machine, I believe was one of the things, iPads, and a whole bunch of PlayStations. We know, pa- PlayStation 4s. Uh, we know Patrick Mahomes loves video games. And a lot of this stuff was to encourage these kids to be active in their rehabilitation and to have just their general well-being. I mean, being in a hospital isn't easy. Dealing with these issues is not easy. And so he was there to kind of, A, give these things to to help that process, and B, to just kind of lift their spirits. And he totally did that. I mean, he started out by surprising the kids. He operated this robot that I couldn't see from where I was standing way in the back, but he like kind of drove it not very well. He was the first to admit he wasn't great at it. Uh, drove it into the room and was talking to the kids through the robot. And then somebody asked him a question and he walked out kind of from a back room and, you know, surprise, he's here in real life. Um, and then stuck around for 45 minutes, meeting every single kid, signing autographs, taking pictures. And it was just one of those things that you could tell just took their minds off of what was going on around them and what they're kind of battling in their day-to-day life. And you took a photograph that, that you tweeted, uh, and, and the reaction of the, the girl mm-hmm. was, was pretty priceless. What was that situation? Yeah, so it's funny. You never know kind of what you're capturing in those moments. You're just kind of pointing and taking all these pictures. And and I didn't realize kind of what it was until after I tweeted it and then started seeing some of the reactions to it. And I think um, she was emotional at this situation, but I think... I think that her expression came across as more emotional than she actually was. I think it was it was an exciting moment. I mean, she had her whole family there. And the thing that 
I think got me and got a lot of other people is just she was hooked up to so many machines. She had, you know, the IV and and all the monitoring equipment. And I, you know, I don't know what what she was dealing with, but you could just see that 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 moment meant a lot to her and it meant a lot to Mahomes. Um, that's one thing that I've been so impressed with him throughout. I've, I've lucky enough to see him interact with with a bunch of different kids, a bunch of different people throughout the last year. And he's very present in those situations. And he, I think, has gotten better and better at relating to these people as he's meeting them in all different walks of life. And his foundation is specifically geared toward children who come from disadvantaged backgrounds or who are dealing with illnesses or ailments in the hospital, whatever. He just, that's his mission is to really help those people out. And you can just see his passion when he's in these events and working with these with these demographics. You know, for a team that's in an organization that's had a lot of bad off-season news over the last, you know, several weeks, couple months, um, th- th- this was a feel-good moment, and it's he it, it seems genuine about caring. And um, you know, I know he's he's only a third-year pro. He's only mm-hmm. a, you know a one-year starter, and he's starting his third year in the NFL. Um, and maybe maybe he'll you know grow jaded to some of this the longer he's mm-hmm. a pro. But at what twenty-three years old, he just seems really into it. Yeah, and, I think and wants so. to be wants to be part of it, and and is really eager to help and to be in those moments and. Um, you know, just, just, I just salute him for this. Yeah, I I think so. And I think maybe one day he'll be jaded, you know, who knows. But I also think the longer that he does this, the more comfortable he's getting in these situations, in these meet and greets. And a story I did back in January about all the partnerships that he's working with and all the marketing things that he's doing. Everyone I talked to about the story just talked about what a genuine down to earth, real person he was when he met them that, you know, he just kind of felt like, he was somebody that you've known forever. And it's hard to accomplish that, especially when you do have this kind of celebrity status and you have people, you know, wanting everything from you. And he's still kind of able to maintain a low-ish profile or he doesn't seem to be bigger than himself. Um, And I think you're just seeing him get more and more comfortable in these situations, um, hanging out with all these kids. I think he's, I mean, gotten more comfortable around, you know, the media too, which is something that that's, hard to do you know it can be awkward but it was funny I walked up to him last night we just saw him at OTAs earlier in the day and he's like man long time no see you know like he's joking he's lighthearted. he he's just easygoing and to see him go in and do this charity work um especially after a week of OTA practice you know he's getting kind of back into this work mentality he's just had a long week and now before he kind of takes off for the weekend He's in here doing this work, and I thought that that just really spoke volumes about him and about what his mission is, and that's the kind of ambassador that you want for this team and that you then that you want for the NFL. I, I had a similar um, experience and observation with another Chiefs player several weeks ago. Um, Chris Jones came and uh, uh, to, to, he was not in Kansas City at the time. Came back to Kansas City and uh, went to the Special Olympics. At um, on the Kansas side, but it, it it represents the region for Special Olympics, and he could not have been more engaging and uh, happy. seemed seemed to be very happy to be where he was with with the Special Olympics kids. Um, I, I think that you know there's that element of of the Chiefs organization where they're like all NFL teams, all pro teams. They have this arm of their mm-hmm. franchise they they have their players go out and 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 work with uh, with charities 
and look, they invite media to this. They want the message out there, and that's that's fine. It's 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 good for them, and right. and and we you know we like that as we like being part of that as well. I bring up you know I bring up Chris Jones because he's not in town now, and I and I and as he's not in town, and as I hear people speak to you know his holdout, which is essentially what it is. Uh, he he was not a, he's the he was the one person with a sort of inexcused absence from the volu- <laughs> from the voluntary workouts. Right. Uh, at OTAs, I, I think about that day and how happy he was to be here and how much he talked about wanting to be here. And uh, and I guess, that, look, this is true of anybody who's in a you know contract negotiation. We talked to D Ford after the season. You remember, he told us how much he wanted to be here. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to kind of take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. Right. But I, I got a sense that day with watching him play with the kids and, and be around everybody. It was more than just a half hour appearance mm-hmm. he wanted to be there he liked being there but he's not here now and so what do we make of chris jones's holdout and is this is this something to be concerned about or do you think the chiefs and chris jones get this done you know before training camp during training camp is this is this something that's going to get done right and and i don't even know if we can call it a holdout yet i mean these are voluntary workouts he doesn't right. have to be here when he misses mini camp then we can start calling it a holdout um i think that Right now, it's not a huge concern. We talked to Brett Veach at owners' meetings in Phoenix. He said the two sides were working on it. You know, they talks, you know, would kind of heat up and then die down and then heat up and die down, but they were moving in the right direction. Um, I think the Chiefs have some, they have cap space, and some of that is freed up with Tyreek Hill's future kind of being up in the air. You know, they were looking at having to extend both Tyreek Hill and Chris Jones this summer to pretty massive deals. And now at least one of those is kind of off the table because you don't know what his situation, what his standing is going to be when we get to this season. I think that you can kind of afford to put that one on ice for a minute and really focus on Chris Jones. And this guy is a cornerstone piece, not only in your organization as far as his community work um, and being a leader, but he's also a huge foundational part of this defense. He's going to be part of that core nucleus that – Steve Spagnolo is building on the defensive line. And you saw, I mean, at OTAs yesterday, he's not there, and you've got, like, Justin Hamilton rotating in. If that's what your defense is without Chris Jones, that is not a good sign. Uh, and so I really think that, that the Chiefs are incredibly motivated to get this done. At the end of the day, it is a business, but I do think that Chris Jones wants to be here. Um, I think he's a good fit in the organization, a good fit in the community and the team, all of that. And I think the team knows that and knows that to secure this future and to really continue to be aggressive in pursuing a Super Bowl, they need to get a deal done. And so I think that they will. And I think I kind of get a sense that it's going to happen before training camp, but you never know how these things go. All right, we will pick up the Chris Jones talk after we take a break. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State, and no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com/sportspass.
All right, we're back with uh, Brooke Pryor, Chiefs beat writer. Before we continue, let, let's hear what Andy Reid had to say about Chris Jones' absence. This was Thursday at uh, OTAs. Andy, how would you characterize uh, dialogue between the team and Chris Jones right now? I don't know that. I, I don't know how they're talking to him. Are you talking about it to me? I haven't talked to him. Him not being here. Yeah, we don't know. Listen, I'm, we just go. You're here. You get better. You're not, you know. Brooke, the, the one thing that I guess I think about with Chris Jones is the Frank Clark contract and how that might be impacting the conversation between the, the Brett Veach and Chris Jones's agent. If I remember correctly, the Clark contract was was it five for one oh? I'm googling it right now. If you could hear my the yes. keys clacking, <laughs> right? Uh, it was big. Five years, 104 million. Pretty massive. Yeah, that's pretty significant. It, uh, <laughs> And so the message certainly to the Chiefs is we, we think you're you know one of the premier defense you know, defensive linemen in the NFL. We want right. you here. Uh, we, you know we lost Eric Berry, Justin Houston, D Ford. We we need we need star power, and and we think that you're a perfect fit for the Steve Spagnolo defense. But what is there a message being sent to Chris Jones as well, or does Chris Jones' side think that you know do, do, should I be getting that money? Is that you know, should should he be in the twenty million dollar a year range? And because the estimates that I had been hearing for Chris Jones were somewhere under twenty million a year, right. maybe seventeen, eighteen million. So, I, I just wondered if the Frank Clark contract um, was was one of the reasons that uh, that, that Chris Jones is not. Uh, um, in camp right now. I think it very well could be one of the reasons because, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs have said, hey, we're willing to pay a premium price for a premium defensive player. And I think Chris Jones has put himself into that conversation. Um, I don't know that he has a long enough um, or extensive enough tape and experience to be quite at the level of Frank Clark. I think Frank Clark has a little bit more experience and, and proven track record. But Chris Jones has put together a couple of really good seasons. I mean, especially last year. He's not, you know, a flash in the pan type player. I think he does deserve that money. And that could very well be a factor looking at that saying, okay, well, you're going to pay him. You're going to, you know, sacrifice a first round pick to bring him in and guarantee him $43 million. I think I should get that. And I, I think that he would be fair in saying that. And so I'm, I'm sure that that is part of the conversation and saying and, and kind of comparing these contracts and what else uh, the Chiefs are willing to shell out. And they're going to have to shell out quite a bit for Chris Jones. I, I think that 19 to 21 million, somewhere in that range, is about what he should get. You know, the Chiefs have had players not participate in OTAs before. It's it's not unusual for, for this to happen, especially in contract years. And um, they're, they're, people have held out for personal reasons. Uh, people, especially where Chris Jones is in the third year of a deal. Look, he's, it's a four-year deal, so he's under contract for, mm-hmm. for 2019 anyway. There's a thought that maybe he would play with through this contract, the Chiefs could franchise him for, you know, 2020. Right. Uh, that's, that's, that's been right. put There's out there. Right, there's other options other than an extension. But there the are. extension is the safest option for the Chiefs Absolutely. to make sure that we're not going through this next year. Right, and look, he I think he's the type of player that you want to keep happy. I, he, I think he's got great value. He's a great locker room guy. You know, there's, I've never seen him not happy. No. Like, maybe a handful of times, but most of the time, it's pretty easygoing. It shouldn't be too hard to keep him happy. Yeah, and you mentioned his ascent. I mean, 15 and a half sacks last year, had, had an NFL record 11, a sack in 11 straight games. Mm-hmm. From uh, from an interior position, you know, inside in the in the three four. So right. he um, look. I, I think he's a premier player, and 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 I'd like to see him get paid as a as a premier player. 
Um, well, someone who was at camp, a new defensive player that, that you talked to and, and will write about is Darren Lee. I hope Duran, Darren, I don't know. Lee, we'll just go by last name. Right. That's that's the easiest way to not get that wrong. <laughs> Acquired from the Jets in the trade. I think the Chiefs gave up a six-round pick. A 2026 round pick, yeah. I mean, relative pennies for a former first-round pick. Yeah, former first-round guy. Who, who started, uh, what was it, 15 games two years ago, 12 games last year, missed the last four games dealing with a suspension. Uh, I believe it was PEDs. Um, it, was a, right. it was a drug violation suspension. Um, so kind of a tumultuous career in New York, never really played to his potential as a first round pick, but Brett Veach loves acquiring former first round picks. I mean, you have Cam Irving, now you have Lee. Um, I'm sure I'm, I know I'm forgetting so many cause Adam Schefter tweeted out a list and it, oh, Emmanuel Ogba, mm-hmm. um, just on and on and on. And he does it for pretty, pretty inexpensively as far as giving right. up draft capital. Um, and Lee, I think he's a guy that needs a fresh start. Brett Beach likes giving guys a fresh start and needs kind of a change of scenery. Um, and he's going to get that here. And he gets to talk about Game of Thrones with Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> which he was already doing on Twitter. So now they can just before do this they, in real before life. Before he knew he was coming. It I was, know. While he was a member of the Jets. Yep, while he was a member of the Jets. I mean, it's funny how things work out. He had this friendship with Mahomes via Twitter. He had talked with the Chiefs back when he was coming out for the draft in 2016, I believe. Um, he said he remembered that conversation with Brett Veach, who was then the co director of pro personnel and now he's the GM. So it's kind of funny how things all come together. You never know where you're going to end up. You never know who you're going to end up leaving an impression on or, or what relationships are going to matter in the future. And this kind of seems like a perfect situation for him. It, it does. Uh, as a, as a linebacker who specializes in coverage, that's. Yeah. Know, and we saw that quite a bit during OTAs. Right. I, I think as we were kind of looking for, for things to note at, mm-hmm. at, at OTAs with the accessibility that we had on Thursday, that was what we were kind of keeping an eye on is how he was handling the the tight ends and the running backs. And yep. uh, we, we just, I remember we locked in on one play where it turned out to be an incompletion. It did. From, from Mahomes. From, no, it was Chad Henney to Blake Bell. Oh, uh, okay. But, you know, Mahomes, Henney, it's basically the same thing, right? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think we can establish that Lee was the best player in that situation. Yes, right. yes. But, I mean, still, it's, it's a flash of what they want him to to do. And as Andy Reid said, he's not the biggest guy. He's 6'1", 232 pounds, I believe. So not the biggest guy in the linebacker room, but he's really fast. They're going to use him in sub packages. We saw him out there quite a bit in some different sub packages. Um, I believe it was him and Damian Wilson, I think, were the two that I saw out there. And I kind of expect him to compete for a starting job right now. He was running with the second group in the base defense. So you know, who's, who knows where he'll be at the end of training camp. But I think he and Anthony Hitchens, it's kind of some open competition there to be a starter at either middle linebacker or weak side linebacker. I think they like Damian Wilson the most at strong side. Um, but we did see him play both weak side right. and strong side yesterday, which was interesting given that Anthony Hitchens wasn't at OTAs because his wife had a baby earlier this month. Um, so big congrats to them. Um, but I, I thought that maybe we would see – Lee and middle a little bit more, but we are very early in this process. So yes, we are still a lot of football to practice installs to go through all of that jazz. All right. Let's, let's talk about a couple more positions wide receiver. So one of your favorite chiefs, 
met the media yesterday. He and, did. And, uh, you know, the dreads are gone, as they were last year. Yep. Right? The, the, the reptile talk was we, did, we didn't get any of that we went none of that now uh we're talking we're talking about sammy watkins the wide receiver there's uh, no one else truly like sammy watkins no no but he is um uh i don't know if he was a different guy that we that, that met the media yesterday but i know that he had a different kind of message talked about mm-hmm. being a leader and i don't know if he's ever had that in his tool toolbox before no i don't think so um but we also saw that in in uh you know, in OTAs and drills, he was always the first receiver. Yep. You know, in the drills, and that that's not insignificant. No, uh, I don't there's think a, so. There's a pecking order to how players, um, you know, the order of the players during a drill. You know, first teamers, starters, leaders usually mm-hmm. go first in those to show the other guys what's going on. And uh, so when they take reps, he was the first guy, and you know, hustled through all the reps and everything. And he, he talked about that, mm-hmm. and was, um, you know, it was. He's made, making it a, a, a big deal to to be a to be a leader on this team, and I, I think the best way he can help this team is to not be hurt. Right, absolutely. I, I think that this is an interesting evolution in Sammy Watkins as a player and as a person. Um, when he was in Buffalo, he was known for being a, a self-involved superstar uh, and demanding targets. That's not a leader. Then he comes to Kansas City and he kind of faded into the background. A because he just wasn't didn't seem to be in sync with Mahomes at all times. Then he gets hurt, and he's just kind of sitting back and seeing how the rest of the team is responding to Mahomes, how the rest of the locker room is shaking out. I mean, he never seemed to be one that was super involved in conversations. A lot of the time we'd go in the locker room, and he would be – he his locker's in the corner toward the, the door, the entrance, and he would be kind of laying on the ground uh, with his hood up, sleeping. Um, but he just kind of seemed to be a background guy, and this year – I don't think that that's what he wants to be and, and what the team needs him to be. He talked about, yeah, I'm going to be loud. I'm going to be aggressive. Um, I'm going to be someone that other guys can look up to. I'm going to set the tone. Um, but Which which is not his M.O., no. to, to be loud to, and even talk he about so that. He's so soft-spoken, and he's very, very cerebral and, and kind of just – introspective and that doesn't seem to be the guy that he is right now the biggest thing for him like you said is staying healthy he looks trimmer coming into the season he talked a lot about how the chief staff Rick Burkholder really got him right his foot was never the same after Cleveland he got hurt we saw him kind of limping out of the locker room after that game going into the x-ray area and I remember we thought gee, I wonder if that's going to be a thing. Like, is this this is this a problem and Andy said no it doesn't seem to be that that's it's not a big deal Turns out it was a pretty significant thing, and the Chiefs are going to need him this year. Right. Well, especially with the uncertain status of Tyreek Hill, and and without Hill, it changes the dynamic of the position. You've got Watkins and Demarcus Robinson, who are you know guys with extensive NFL experience. Right. After that, if you're looking for Chiefs experience, you're down to uh, uh, Gary Dieter and right. Marcus Kemp. Right. And now you're talking about after that, uh, McCole Hardman, the yep. second round draft you got Byron pick, Pringle. and Byron Pringle, and then the the um, the, the undrafted free Jamal agents Custis. who yes, and and Thompson uh, yep. who they they liked and signed. So it's. There's there's just not a lot of uh, game breaking NFL experience no. there and uh, and so that again that's a, the well the Chiefs could they make a deal um, is this is this a position that they'll they, they might you know take a look at for an acquisition something to keep an eye on I think yeah I, I think that's absolutely right same with tight end perhaps who oh, really tight end because uh, you got Travis Kelsey and then, then it really drops off then who you got uh, it was funny because. 
Jamal Custis is wearing 84 this year, which is Demetrius Harris's old number. And it was really weird seeing him. I mean, there were lots of number changes yesterday, but for whatever reason, the 84 not not belonging to Demetrius Harris really struck me. And I think that's just because of the lack of depth at the tight end position. Tight end two is very much up for grabs at this point. Um, they signed John Phillips, a veteran tight end, who could be in the mix there. I think that he's one of those guys you just want to kick the tires on. And we didn't see him. I don't believe we didn't see him at OTAs yesterday. He may have been there. There's 90 guys running around on the field. If he was there, he didn't make a big impression. But they've got him. They've got Blake Bell, another guy they're kicking the tires on. Dion Yelder, who has some Chiefs experience. He was, what, on the practice squad last yeah. year and kind of went back and yep. forth. David Wells, same kind of deal. Then the Princeton quarterback. And then the Princeton quarterback. <laughs> then you got John Lovett, who I think could be a, a dark horse for that tight end two spot. Just, I mean, I know that he's learning the position, but he's kind of a wild card. Um I think that he showed some really good things in rookie minicamp. He looked like he was developing faster maybe than you would expect, and that's just because he goes at breakneck speed, which is something his college coach told me, that you know he was just kind of a wild man. But that's what they need. They need somebody to compliment Travis Kelsey. They need a blocking tight end, which John Phillips is. So he, I think, I think right now it's kind of between Phillips and Lovett to hold down that spot. All right, there's a lot more to talk about with the Chiefs and other positions, and we've got a couple more weeks to do that as the OTAs continue uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Thursday availabilities each week for for the media, uh, and of course we'll we'll be out there. And following that is the the mini camp in in the middle of June, which is uh, a little bit more intense than, Mm -hmm. than what we're seeing now. And we will be back next week to discuss the Chiefs, the week after that. To discuss the Chiefs and into the summer. And maybe the week after that. Who and knows? Who knows? So, uh, A and Brooke, and congratulations on the new addition to the household. Thanks for getting a puppy today. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, all that jazz. We don't know the name yet. We've uh, pulled, we did a Twitter poll, and this is the frustrating thing because we can't decide between Rucker for Darius Rucker, Hootie for Darius <laughs> Rucker, uh, and so that we can have Hootie and the Bowfish. Uh, because Bo is your because other. Bo is my other dog, and then Cooper, because my husband is a big South Carolina fan, wanted a name that connected to South Carolina, and so we were just like naming off random football players, and he was like Pharaoh Cooper, and I said, well, Cooper works. Uh, I, I mean, I guess he was a decent football player in college. Not you know, I'm not big on naming my dogs after football players. Bo's named after Bojangles, but. So we did a Twitter poll, and it closed last night, and I think it was like 34%, 34%, 33%, or 34%, 33%, 32%, something like that. So everyone is split. And this morning, my husband texts me and says, what about Scooby? And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> now I just have no idea. Well, you're going to have to so- social media track that one now, I know, too, because so I can't make a decision for myself. <laughs> we obviously have to ask the whole world their opinion and then factor it in. All right. We had a run of cats about 30 years ago, and uh, their names were Philippe, Maddie, and Jesus, after the <laughs> Alou brothers though, that played baseball for the Giants, the Pirates, and whoever else. Uh, so I can relate to what Teddy's uh, thinking <laughs> with that. So... All right, Brooke, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you again soon. Links to the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes. For all Kansas City Star Chiefs coverage, follow facebook.com slash redzoneextra or download the Red Zone Extra app. Big thanks to producers Kathy Liu and Leah Becerra. You've been listening to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star sports podcast. 
I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and we'll talk Kansas City sports again soon.